Friendship, for example, is a real gift. It's an insane world. But in it, there is one sanity. The loyalty of old friends. You're the best friends anybody ever had. Alone, bad friend. Good. Bubba was my best good friend. I had to make sure that he was okay. Friendship family. These are things that matter. We just become best friends. Yep. Touch my friends again and I'll buy you. Thanks, Mike. You're my best friend here. Lose one friend. Lose all friends. Lose yourself. We ride together. We die together. Bad boys for life. That's what friends are for, right? Friends? Friends. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. If you're not over here in 15 minutes, you can find a new best friend. You've been saying that since the fifth grade. Welcome to the I Am Your Friend podcast. I am your host, Aiden Licker. Uh, this podcast is sponsored by Nobody Still. But we're working on it. Uh, we did hit 50 monthly listeners. We got there. We got to the point we needed to. Uh, and now I am eligible to receive sponsorships. Just nothing has uh, come in yet, but it's pending and it's supposed to be coming in soon. So thank you to everybody who has been uh, listening and sharing the podcast, helping me out. Get somewhere, baby. Uh Big deal. Our guest today is our friend Jay Zubricki. Uh, you may know him from from working on a lot of uh, good Buffalo musicians' uh, recorded work, uh, including some of my favorites, uh, which include Every Time I Die, uh, The Goo Goo Dolls, The Traditional, I Can See Mountains, uh, Ya Boys in Post Prom, that's my band, uh, Well Kept Things, uh, the list goes Del Paxton. The list goes on. I can name a thousand Jay Zubricki bands uh, because they are such good records to listen to. Well, thanks for listening. Of course, that's a, that's a long list. I uh, pretty impressed that you knew those. Really, a little bit. Yeah, just like off the top of your head, like that. That's yeah, true. For yeah, sure. I mean, I yeah, I could probably keep going, but I can't think. <laughs> um, you did, did. You did all blondes too, right? All blondes. Yeah, all blondes could happen. Yep. Yeah, I did them. Yeah. Um, that was right around the same era as mountains. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Pentimentos that era too. Yep. Pentimentos. Um, there's a lot. Did you time. do um, uh, Cedar Kites? I did. Yeah, Cedar Kites. Yeah, Cedar I did Kites. all their stuff. Um, uh, what was a um, uh, Rust Belt Lights? Did you do that? No, I didn't. But oh, those okay. were my my dudes. Uh, okay. Like Pat and Tom, Zach. Yeah, yeah, Bratcher. yeah. Yeah, yeah. That uh, religion and my ex record is awesome. Yeah, they um, they were sick. And now they're uh, Tom and Bratcher are in Wild once. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that's yeah. who that is. So yeah, I did a few records with them, but yeah, I didn't I didn't meet Tom until um, I was doing. I think it was Old Ghosts is when I finally met him, like, officially. Sure. Um, but during, like, Rust Belt, uh, Pat McAndrew was kind of, like, my tie to that band. He's a good friend of mine. and uh, But, yeah, I remember that that record, Religion of My Ex, and when it came out, I was like, this is freaking awesome. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, they also did a ton of touring, and they were, you know, um, kind of like the unsung heroes. Like, I felt like they should have been way bigger yeah. than, they, than they got, and um, I liked them so much. I just wish... You know, they would have got some more legs at one point. Totally. I mean, that's how I feel about a lot of Buffalo bands that yeah. were like amazing that just toured a lot, did everything right, uh, and just never popped. Unfortunately, it's the way she goes. Sometimes. Yeah, it is sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jay, thanks for coming on the pod. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you do this. Wanted to get you on for a while, uh, and I'm glad we made it work. It's a you Friday too, night right now as we're recording this. Uh, this is my first nighttime pod, I think. Wow, I'm honored. Sometimes I do a little early evenings. Yeah. I've done those before, but this is the first like late night pod. So I'm interested. like my prime hours. I know that. I just I know. got out of my session. I had and came to right, here. Yeah. right. I had to work the nocturnal shift. Yes. Uh, for the well, I appreciate yeah. that. Hey, no problem. Anything, anything to get you on here. Uh, Jay and I have been friends for a few years now. I do have his face tattooed on my forearm, mm-hmm. uh, which is always a fun conversation starter. Yeah, I mean, that's the only one that I know of, so thank you for mm-hmm. doing that. And, uh, yeah, I uh, definitely show that picture to people sometimes. Nice. Um, you know, it's pretty random, but uh, I do appreciate it. It's in with uh, well, my buddies on your arm, too. Right, yeah, so. so that was so I have a bunch of Buffalo bands tattooed on my forearm. Uh, all of which who have recorded with Jay at some point. So I decided to throw Jay's logo in there. And it's funny. Some people will, like in Buffalo, people will wrecking, like people are like, is that Jay Zubricki? You know what I mean? Or like, it'll be a fun thing that someone's like, oh, this dude knows Jay. Actually, he's got him tattooed on his okay. arm. Uh, but then other times, you know, when people don't know you, they're just like, oh, that's an interesting tattoo. Yeah. What's that? And I was like, that's my buddy Jay. And nice. that's I just leave it at that. Well, yeah, and they're just like, is he... 
Is he sick? Is he dead? Yeah, like, right. No, no, he's yeah. totally fine. Some yeah. sort of tribute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in not a good way, but this one yeah. is the way I prefer. Right, yeah. right, totally. So, yeah. yeah. Hell yeah, man. We're doing it. Um, so, I mean, let's go uh, through some Jay-Z breaking recording because I, I think it's interesting, I mean, at least from my perspective, because I always, like, when I was a kid, I always, like, my dream was to have like my own like record home recording studio. Mm-hmm. I wanted to figure out how to record stuff. I was so, so interested in it. And I had no idea for so long. I remember just looking up like equipment and I remember writing it down in a notebook of like how much things cost of yeah. like, what's the m- cheapest home studio right. that I could figure out, you know? Um, so what, like, how did you decide that? Like how did, what was it? And how old were you when you were like, I want to try recording music? Um, when I was, uh, like, teenager maybe like 15 to like 18 i was playing a lot in my band and at one point i don't know when it was as maybe like 16 or 17 it was like a musician's friend like deal of the month or something Classic. And it was like a fostex digital recorder and i remember like saying to my parents i was like hey like can we get this like the band stuff is up in the basement and like I think it'd be cool just to kind of like try to record myself just for like ideas or whatever. So I ended up getting this Fostex digital like eight track recorder, which was insanely difficult to use. Yeah. It was so hard. And I was just like, this is why it was like on a clearance sale. Um, <laughs> but that was like my first exposure to like trying to like capture something that I was doing. Right. That wasn't like on a, like a cassette player that like went on the floor. And you know, I remember the one I had, I think came from like, my dad's company's at conference room or something and i just put the cassette deck on the floor we'd record band practice but like this was an actual like multi-track recorder right so that was like my first exposure to like trying to um like track a song or an idea and you know it sucked and my like it was like borrowed microphones mm-hmm. like who do i know who had like a radio shack microphone i'd borrow them and um you know ebay oh. was like another like avenue then and it's just how cheap could i get stuff to capture right. sound right and i like, went through the same it's thing funny, yeah. i was at my parents house not long ago and it's like the cables that i was using it, they looked like twizzlers like, right. like this hard plastic shiny thing yeah, and yeah. Like, probably from radio shack yes. radio shack brand yeah they yeah. probably were and yeah. uh, but that was like my first exposure to like the concept of multi-track right thing um and being able to like maybe try to edit a little bit and again this was all a like time code there was no like actual computer screen yeah um so it was a little different than than what i eventually got into with pro tools but it was like uh again just a like a spark to the idea of like oh this is kind of fun mm-hmm. and that there was never like a you know a career in you know in mind at that point right it was just like oh i could record band practice now and i could put like a couple mics on the drums yeah and like, that's all i wanted to do too i just wanted to figure out a way to just like i had song ideas that i wrote and i wanted to just lay them down as ideas you know and i remember going on ebay and just typing in the word recorder yeah like just like audio recorder because sure. i'm like what i don't i had no idea you know what right. i mean and i found some like cd recorder device that was for like cd duplication oh, okay and i bought it not knowing what it was <laughs> and i was like you know i was like 13 or something sure. i had some like leftover communion money probably yeah. <laughs> and bought it on ebay and i got it and i was like i've no i'm reading through the manual and i was like i don't know what i bought where do i plug in a microphone? yeah so that <laughs> thing i never it was just a waste of money i just never yeah. did anything but then my guitar teacher was my cousin and he was the one who told me he's like you got to get this Tascam. It was like a four-track recorder, sure. digital recorder. It had a little like green screen on mm-hmm. it, and there was a little like dial that you can like. And that was it was a, a pretty difficult to use, but I remember using that, and I would just record like acoustic tracks on that. That was my first intro to recording. Yeah, I think learning that way, or at least I feel like if you can get through that and still be interested, yeah, it's a good sign. Totally, I recorded because, a bunch of things on that. Yeah, because that stuff's not like fun. You yeah, know, it, it, like not that Pro Tools or like is fun, but like, um, you know, you're looking at waveforms you're looking at different tracks on right. those you're looking at time code yeah you know and it's just kind of like well if i can get through this and like complete some songs and i'm still like really into this concept of recording that's like a really good sign for the path that you might be for going sure the, the most annoying thing about it was that i could there was no way to like extract anything 
Right. So it's like there was just an internal hard drive that held everything, and you could buy this CD burner that was from that. Right, but it was like made specifically for that. And by the time I had gotten this thing, like it was discontinued. Yeah. And it was impossible to find. And the I I remember looking like trying to find like a USB converter adapter for it, so I could put it into a computer. And it was like a proprietary thing from from Tascam. So there was just like I literally had all these recordings that I couldn't do anything with them but except plug headphones in and listen to them on that device yeah so it was a little frustrating but yes walk around with that device at all times and that's how you listen to your demos and play them for your friends exactly yeah and then i remember going to i went to borders one time okay the bookstore and i found a book that was sound recording for dummies Mm -hmm. and i remember buying that and reading it cover to cover and that's when i was like oh audio interface that was like the first time i saw that yeah and then that's when I, i bought like a personas like one channel mm-hmm. thing and then that's when it's and enough like to get a, you started though, a man. condenser mic because that's how i learned what a condenser mic was and then yeah yeah put a put a blanket up in my bedroom put the microphone in front of it and learned about acoustics and that kind of shit you those know? early concepts from those books actually go a long way yeah it's crazy like people yeah. make some serious recordings like just doing uh basic things like hanging some blankets in their closet for like, real you know, yeah the closet over there just treat it that way and you got a vocal booth and yeah. um, you know maybe a guitar cab isolation, whatever you want to do. But like, yeah, those concepts go a long way. I, remember, I don't know which one I had, but I had a book like that, thinking like, oh, once I read this, I'm yeah. set to go. Yeah. It's just like, wait a second, I'm even more confused now. Right. Um, but yeah, it's like I said, if you can kind of get through that stuff and still be like really hungry to like mm-hmm. learn more, um, I think it becomes a lot more fun. Like kind of once you get like the initial, like how does this work totally. out of the way? Even if your recording sound like crap, I mean. At least you're recording and making something. You feel you know proud of it, or just you feel like you accomplished the yeah. next step. Yeah, totally. I also remember using a because the video game Rock Band was popular when I was like maybe like thirteen, fourteen, mm-hmm. which is when I was in my first band, which was Single File Riot. Shout out Frisky Misky. Frisky Misky, yep. So, uh, and Rock Band came with a USB microphone, mm. and I had my dad's work laptop. And I installed Audacity on it <laughs> and just used this. So we would have band practice and like in the basement and just like on the other side of the basement, <laughs> I would put this USB microphone and just set it on like a, a desk down there and plug it into my dad's right. work laptop and Audacity and just hit record and record our band practice. And it sounded like shit, but it was like we d- we have something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like to get ideas down. And that's all we wanted to do. And now that's, we that's have iPhones. That's day with, of people throwing their phones on the floor at practice. And hitting voice and, memo. Yeah. Yeah, the voice memo thing. And that changed everything. I, said, yeah. I get a lot of, I still get like a lot of demo ideas from bands that way. And it's yeah. just like. That's how I do know, everything. Yeah. It sounds better than it ever did, but like. Right. Um, yeah. It's it just, it's funny to see how we start and, and where we end up with that right. stuff. Right. Yeah, for sure. Super interesting. So, um, so then you go to I assume after you start fucking around with a few different things, then you go to Timon, right? Which yeah, is I was where, I was going to high school at Bishop Timon, right? Where they had a recording studio in the yeah, school, right? My junior year, they opened up something called the Center for the Media and Arts, and what they were doing was trying to um, just kind of bring in some arts to a school which was you know pretty much uh, all sports up until that point. Um, I know you have some family that went there as well, but. Um, you know, they had some sort of grant and it had to be used for the arts. So they put in like a photography studio, like um, a new art classroom, new music classrooms, um, digital media center. And part of this was like a three room recording studio. And they were teaching Pro Tools and they had, you know, like a Mackie digital board and they had, you know, a couple pieces of outboard gear. And, um, but it was like my first experience like in, something that was pretty much like a real recording studio. Right. Um, and it was just in time because like your senior year is when you were taking those classes as electives. So I was able to sit in and do like, if things just audio one and audio two, but um, this is a microphone. This is how it works. This is pro tools. Here's some basics. Um, and I just got super, super into it. And yeah. the teacher there, uh, Paul Fitzgibbons uh, was so cool to me. And, uh, he just kind of gave me free reign yeah. of this like studio. And eventually, like I think it's like right after I graduated, they gave me keys to the school. And I was able <laughs> to go there and just use the studio pretty much whenever I wanted. Yeah. Um, 
But it was nuts. Yeah, it was. Yeah, like it really was. Um, Because it wasn't like, oh, here's the keys to a studio. It's like, no, here's the keys to a high school. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you could have caused you wrecked some havoc. Right. Right. Yeah. But you know, it was uh, it was something that gave me a chance to like just get into a facility that had this equipment and kind of just take that next step and explore what's possible. Because I didn't know how to record. I didn't know anything. But I had access to this stuff, and it right. gave me the chance to learn and figure it out. Eventually, bring in bands. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the way it started. Was just uh, like my senior year of high school, and um, like I said they were just them being cool to me. Gave me the chance to like just go make a ton of mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, like a ton for sure. But uh, yeah, that's how it started. That's wild. And then, so that's when, like, so then you're having, you're in the school, you have access to the school, and you're having, yeah. then you start have ban- having bands come in and record with you. Yeah. Yeah, that was probably, like, uh, Jesus, probably, like, 2003, maybe, right. like, s- summer of 2003. Um, but, yeah, I was having, like, just friends' bands come in, and it was just, hey, uh, let's I figure this think out I together. can yeah. you, but let's figure it out and right. see if we can get something that is even usable at all and like luckily at that time you know everybody's kind of in the same boat like nobody's band was like great but some of them were pretty good and um everybody's like oh yeah sure like either free or super cheap recording let's go do it um but it gave me the chance just to kind of go through and uh and see what happens when you you know turn up a preamp too loud or like don't have pro tool settings done the right way or you know where, where to place the drum mics things like that and um that was like the very beginning of it there and i think like misconstruity or like crosstown rivals um would have been like one of the first the first couple bands i recorded there well what's funny is that i found out after knowing you for a while i found out that there was a local record that i loved when i was like 11 12 years old by the band Jettison. Yeah, they were the Crosstown Rivals before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And they became Jettison. I recorded I that at Timon. You recorded that yeah. CD yeah. yeah, at Timon, which is nuts because, yeah. like, you know, in, like, 2006 when I heard it, I was maybe, I was 11. Sure. And, you know, my older brother Danny was friends with Corey, right? Yep. What was his name? Corey, Corey? Singer, yeah. Yeah. So, Danny showed me it, and it was, like, very much, you know, that early 2000s, like, emo kind of sound. And, yeah. uh... I fell in love with it, and then and then you know years later I meet you, and somehow the conversation yeah, comes up. I'm like, wait a minute, you that. recorded that scene? Like that scene was yeah. so important to me as a kid, you know? Yeah, that was at, at Bishop Time in St. Jude High yeah. School, man. And it's funny because the drummer from that band is now working for Avril Lavigne. I no just, way, I really? I just hung out with him a couple days ago. He's he's drum teching. Whoa, yeah, Dave Dombrowski. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out, Dave. I remember Dave. Dave was um, they. They would hang out here and like yeah. swim in the pool and shit. Yeah, yeah. So that that was a, um, you know, that was like a CD that was one of the last things I did at time in. Oh, okay, because then I started working at Audio Magic like shortly after that. Right. So that might have even been like recorded in 05 and then like came out in 06 or something. But like, yeah, that was one of the last things I probably did at time in. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Uh. So Audio Magic's not around anymore, right? So it's not. It's now called uh, BlackRock EPS Studios. Okay. Um, Is but, it in BlackRock? Yeah. So it's it's on Military. Oh, uh, nice. Right near Showplace. At, yeah, yeah, yeah. Showplace is at Grant Military. It's right around the corner. Gotcha. Um, it's behind the Sportsman's Tavern. Right. So, oh. Um, so a lot knows, of good things going on over yeah, there. Yeah, that Damn. block is actually pretty awesome. <laughs> Popping up. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. awesome over there. But um, that was, at the time, it was called Audio Magic. Yeah. And uh, that was like the first like real studio that I worked at. That right. That wasn't, you know, at time. And, and were you like an intern or you got hired as an engineer right away? So I got brought in as like uh, like an assistant engineer. Yeah. And I, I would have like intern responsibilities and right, stuff too. Right, 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 You know, a lot of cleaning and a lot of um, just helping like set up and strike sessions and just kind of being there to assist um until i was comfortable enough or they thought i was comfortable enough to like have somebody in the room and me running the session and um but it was like a you know it was was a huge step for me because i didn't really have much exposure like ironically my band had recorded there like right when i first started taking like recording stuff at timon Mm -hmm. but um you know i had never been you know privy to like being a fly on the wall in an actual recording session until I got there. And, uh, 
you know, the first couple that I did was literally just that, just kind of sit in the corner until somebody needs you. And then if nobody needs you, then you're just kind of there until you have to like, you know, strike the session and help clean up at the end of the night. Um, but I did that for a while. And then so I did a lot of learning at that point too. Was audio magic kind of like, what were they in like, I know because GCR probably was, I mean, it was called something else at that time, right? Um, so at this point in time, that was probably still Trackmaster. Right, Trackmaster. So like, was Audio Magic like in the same tier? Um, like were, were, were legit of. bands coming through oh, yeah, to record yeah, at definitely. Audio Magic? Yeah, okay. definitely. I, um, the chief engineer at Audio Magic is uh, Mike Rorick. Okay. And he's a professor at Fredonia, and um, he's just a phenomenal engineer and just phenomenal person. And uh, I mean, that guy was literally as busy as I had ever yeah, seen. Yeah, I was supposed be. to take a class with him at Fredonia, right. actually, and ended up getting switched to a different professor because okay. he like, couldn't do it for some reason. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. He, he's great. And um, that was like, oh, wow, this is what, it, when I saw him working, it's like, oh, this is what it takes to be an engineer. Yeah. Because he was working, you know, probably six days a week um long days and i was just assisting on some of his sessions and um he was working with like legit musicians and real bands and um it was just is interesting for me to see at that time because i didn't know like oh does the engineer just go in and work a nine to five or right and we're watching him work is like okay wait this guy is committing his life to this yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. um so i I learned an awful lot from him i'm sure um but yeah that was it was legit that's sick that's dope. So then, um, so then you become your own engineer. I know we're just like telling your life story here, but I think it's fascinating right. because it's like, you know, for, I don't know, most of us, especially in like today's world, I think most of us just because of like, I don't know, the financial burden that a lot of us carry, we just end up kind of working these normal everyday jobs. So to like know somebody that actually like, you know, does something that's like, so out of the realm of the norm you know what i mean um it's i think it's super interesting to find out because it's like i think about that all the time with people who get into these kind of jobs it's just like how did you get there you know like i think it's yeah and it's a different path for most people you know um so at this point when you're working at audio magic is this when you're finally like oh okay this could be like my career not even at that point okay that's so this is just like it's a Again. Yeah, I was at no my I was working four days a week at Premier Wine and Spirits. I was a oh, stock boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There I was is, doing yeah. that. That was like basically how I was at the five money. corners, that one? Uh no, the one next to Regal on Mile Strip. Oh, okay, yeah. Is uh, there one at, am I thinking of a different place? I think one? it's a different place. But oh, okay. Yeah, so I was working at Premier as a stock boy and um yeah, I was just if I wasn't there, I was basically at the studio, just trying to help out or, or doing whatever I could. Because at one point they gave me a key and they're just like, hey. You know, as long as you're helping out around here and, and not messing up, you can right. come here when there's downtime and just kind of go through stuff. And so, yeah, I was I was a stock boy at a liquor store four days a week. And then I was still in college and like um, it wasn't really anything that I thought to be a potential career, just kind of like something that I just enjoyed doing. Sure. And, yeah. Um, you know, every now and again, you get like a really cool project and you have those thoughts, but it wasn't like serious. Um, I kind of just thought like it was just something I was going to have like in the background as a hobby. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, after a few years, I, things started getting a little bit busier and um, got some really cool projects, like a couple of my first like record label projects. And that stuff's pretty inspiring because it makes it feel a little bit more like, oh, I got to that next level. And, right. Like, yeah. You know, I remember getting like uh, alternative press. And like seeing like an album I record, there's like a big ad for it. It's like, wow, this Whoa, is real, you know? That's crazy. But, um, but do you, you know, know, remember what album that was? Yeah, by Autumn's End. Okay. It was um, maybe 06 or 07, maybe yeah. 07. But, uh, that was the name of the band by Autumn's End? I yeah. remember that name. Yeah. Were they a Buffalo band? Yep. Okay. Yeah, they are a Buffalo band. And uh, yeah, that was like, you know, you have those thoughts. But at the end of the day, it was always just kind of like, okay, well, what's the safe thing to do? It's like, get right. my degree. I was going to school for like business administration or something. Hey, and, uh, yeah, right? shout out business administration degrees. <laughs> we got them. The safety net degree, right? Of so, course, um, I wish mine didn't cost as much as it did. Right. So that's what I was doing, though. That was the that was kind of the plan. Yeah, it was just to kind of like finish up school and and um, the recording stuff. Where were you like, going to school? Uh, I was going to Madai. Okay, but um, oh yeah, I did the recording that. stuff was just kind of like there and. Um, towards the end of like college and stuff like recording was not going well for me um i was not getting much work 
uh, it was pretty like, you know, the writing was on the wall, like, hey, man, you had some fun doing this, but this clearly isn't a job that you could live off of. Sure. And uh, uh, I was pretty much like content with like being done um, and just kind of maybe having something that, you know, I had some cool stories and like right. I made I made some friends and like yeah. all that stuff was great. But um, when it came time to like, you know, was it like six months after you graduate, the student loan payment yeah, stuff? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. That stuff was going through my mind. Right. And I was just kind of like, okay, well, I, I, I know how to do this stuff. And if I want to do it on the side, that's cool. But like finish up school and find something real. That was, and, yeah. I was in the same boat when I was 22 and I finished Fredonia. I literally like, I graduated. I went on tour with Kill the Clock. Mm-hmm. They did it like a DIY tour that I hopped on for a little bit. And then I came home and was like, fuck, I got to find a job. And I was hoping that I could try to figure out some way to like, so I like, you know, worked, uh, you know, the cobblestone fest happened the, the first one that year. And I had an in to work that. Uh, and I worked that as a volunteer, just hoping okay. that it would create more opportunities. And then there is where I met uh, Gucci Greg. Shout out Gucci nice. Greg. Uh, and that's why he got me a gig at the ballroom. But it was like, you know, $12 an hour working yeah. a couple hours a week. Like, it, you know, it wasn't much. And I was like, and then, you know, that six months point hit. And it's like, fuck, I need a real job. Yeah, you know? it, when it creeps up, <laughs> it, it hits you hard. Yeah, I was hoping within six months I would figure out a sustainable job within the music industry. Of well, Buffalo, dude, and that was know? that's exactly how I felt yeah. too. And it was it was scary because, you know, at that point you're like you're taking a pretty big step into like what your actual life might look like, you know. And um, as much as I loved recording and, and music and stuff, I just kind of I was trying to be like a realist about it. Yeah. And um, so, like I said, things weren't busy or anything, so I was just kind of like, okay. And at this point in time, the guys from GCR, which at the time was called Intermachine Studios, mm-hmm. the manager had reached out to me. It was probably like summer of 08. And he said, hey, you know, we just did this huge renovation. And, um, you know, we liked a couple records that you did last year. Like, would you want to come see our studio? And I wow. said, I said, no. Whoa. Yeah. I was, Jay-Z yeah. dropping the big balls on well, cause I was just you. Because at the time, no, it, I wish it was. It wasn't like that. But uh, I don't need you, motherfuckers. Yeah. Well, I said no because I, I was you know, loyal to Audio Magic. And yeah. it's kind of like, well, you know, don't need to ruffle any feathers right now because I'm probably not going to be doing this a year from now. And um, they were, I were, the guy's name was Mike. And he, Mike was just like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, man, thanks, though. You know, take care. And um Later on in 08, is probably like right around the holidays, he hit me up again. He's like, hey, man, I know you said no last time, but like the Google Dolls are off for the holidays and the studio's like wide open. Um, I got to ask you, do you want to come see the place while there's nobody here? And I thought, I was like, yeah, like sure, because I'm probably not going to have this chance because I'm going to kind of probably finish doing this stuff. And so I went down and we hung out for like a day. And um, he just offered me the chance to come in and start doing sessions there and um so probably yeah like january of 09 i started going there to like assist and like learn the rooms and i did my first session there i think it was march of 09 and i've been there since dude that's so funny that it was like they reached out to you it was you know like to me i'm thinking of like in my shoes where i'm like i'm looking for every opportunity i have at all times to like not have to work a nine to five right you know and it's like, so <laughs> the fact that they reached out to you and you're like, eh. Well, to tell you the truth, like I, it felt so unattainable to me. Like, cause you know, the, the studio was on like the cover of Mix Magazine that year. And, um, I felt like I couldn't like step up to their level Okay, because it was like a two part thing. Like one, I was like, okay, recording's not going well for me right now. And they clearly don't know that. Yeah. And the other part of it was like, I literally don't know how to work in a studio like that. Right, so what's right. going to happen if I go there? Yeah. Um, but again, so like, the fast little, fo- yeah, a little bit of imposter syndrome. Yes. Hits you. It's like, they think I'm better than I actually am. And like, I'm not actually cut out for this. Like that. Well, kind of yeah, shit. it was that for sure. And yeah. just, you know, like literally the only time I had seen 95% of the gear in that building was in videos or magazines. Yeah. Like, so I was just like, geez, well, <laughs> when I go meet with them, I better like right. either be it super honest or like try to act like I know what I'm talking about. But there was just so much stuff. I just couldn't I just say I've never worked on gear like this or in a room like this. Right. You know, cause audio magic was cool, but it just didn't have what, you know, GCR has. And, um, 
so yeah so i did a couple months of like hanging out and assisting before i did my first session right getting but all um the, the yeah that was the start of it over there that's nuts man it is intimidating <clears throat> that like upstairs studio i remember the first time going in there uh when we came in to do the first post prom ep and i remember like seeing just like the all the filled racks of yeah. everything and i was like dude i don't know what any of that shit does you know what i mean like that's literally what i said when i first <laughs> yeah i was like okay well yeah. i know that's a compressor but i've never plugged yeah. in one of those it was wild man it was it was wild to see you just like you know wheel around the room yeah. and like be twisted now it seemed like something that like it seemed like i was in like willy wonka and the chocolate factory of like you know pulling just weird whistles and fucking <laughs> there's a little bit of that yeah yeah there's oompa loompas in the back running around I actually wish. tangling all the wires and shit <laughs> yeah 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 no that, that, that's the i had similar you know thoughts like my first time going yeah. there and like because i think the first time i went there was actually during um one of Mike's sessions yeah and like watching him do the same thing like wheeling around and patching in over here over there and I just, I'm like, okay, that sounds good, but I literally don't know what unit he just patched into. I've right. never touched one of those. Right. Yeah. And like, um, so there was a ton of learning that had to be done just to be able to hang. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, that was the, the beginning of 09 is when I made that change. And you've been there ever since. I've been there ever since. Yep. Yeah. yeah. When did it change GC? So at this point, it was, it was still, still it was, machine, but it was owned by the Google Dolls. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, Intermachine until September of 09. Right. And that's when Robbie took it over solely gotcha. from the band. So, right. And you are, uh, as we have both discussed, and we both are huge Goo Goo Dolls fans. Yeah, man. So what was that like coming into like, you know, a band that you looked up to, like their studio and working for them? It was interesting, especially like uh, my first concert ever was Goo Goo Dolls, Bush, and No Doubt. Dude, that is a fucking. <laughs> I mean, that's such a sick lineup. And I was just talking to uh, Patrick Galante was here the other day, uh, and I was talking to him, and he said, you know, he was just on tour with Ice Nine Kills, and said that they met Bush at some festival nice. that they played in Europe, and he said they were like the coolest guys ever. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was my first concert. Yeah, that's awesome. And so, like, you know, just to kind of be like, oh, hey, mom and dad, I'm going to the Goo Goo Dolls studio. Yeah. To, like, meet with everybody to see if I should work there and stuff. Like, that was, like, a big thing. And I remember, like, the first time I met Robbie. I don't know if it was the first time, but one of the first times I met Robbie. And we were just hanging out, man. And I just, you know, I literally left that meeting being like, this guy's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's super cool. He's a West Seneca dude. And, yeah. you know, we kind of had a lot of, um, you know, similar interests and um you know he was just as nice as could be and, and as welcoming as could be and uh it made me feel like i belonged without really proving much at this point in time like awesome. to them yeah you know he just kind of like yeah man just you know make the most of this opportunity and yeah um but yeah so that it was it was definitely cool because you know growing up in buffalo you know, it's like every radio station plays Google Dolls. Of course, yeah. That's, they're that's how the, it's been forever. Right. They are like the one, our one claim to fame. Right. You know I mean? So, of like people who made it out of here. Yeah, it was cool. It was just, it was, it was really, uh, you know, an opportunity that um, I had so much appreciation for. And I, you know, the, the gravity of it, it, it hit me pretty hard at that point. It's like, this is real. Like, yeah. They just made their new album here. And right. they're allowing me to work here. And, um, yeah, so it was just like motivation, just to try to like want to be part of that world because uh, it was the closest I had ever been at that point. Damn, that's so sick. I remember I met Robbie for the first time when I was thirteen, uh, because I was in the middle school rock band at okay. West Seneca West Middle, uh, and my te and like we were sponsored by Music as Art. Like Music okay. as Art like helped like help us like they put us on a bunch of gigs and stuff because you know it was like teenagers just playing in a cover band and right. shit so uh it was it was cool and uh he came to our school to talk about uh they had uh who was that agent me you remember that band oh yeah so Definitely. agent me came and played at our uh and they just to me that i was always like this band is just plain white tees they're the same <laughs> it's this even the singer even looked like them it was crazy uh but i liked them but they came to talk about there was some like foundation or something that they were like talking about when they came to school. But, uh, because I was in the rock band, like we got to like meet Robbie and like hang out with him mm -hmm. for a little bit. And it was like, and I was, 
you know the biggest Goo Goo Dolls fan like right. I was obsessed so like yeah, I was like that. so nervous to meet him you know um, and it's crazy now because it's like you know I've been recording at GCR you know I've, we've done three projects there now yeah. uh, and I've been there you know to help out with other people um, who have done, done other things there so like he's always there and yeah. now it's just like hey Robbie what's going on man you know it's like super <laughs> casual but it's just it's it's nuts but he is dude he is the fucking coolest dude yeah um, and so down to earth and like yeah, he made that transition like coming over to GCR like very easy and yeah. very welcoming and friendly and um yeah, man, just a lot of appreciation for him and, and what he's helped me do. For sure. Yeah, shout out Robbie. Shout out Music is Art too. Yeah. Very, very cool thing. Um that's dope, man. So what was like the first like big project you got to work on? Um or what you felt was like, oh shit, this is a big deal. Jeez. So, coincidentally, um, there was like a project that uh, Keith Buckley and I were working on at Audio Magic, and it was it's called it's the band The Damn Things. Yeah, and we yeah, started yeah. working on like early demos, like in oh is oh seven oh eight maybe. Yeah. How and long have you known you've known the Eastid guys for forever? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I know they're from West Seneca. They're, yeah. you know. Yeah, a little bit older than you, I think. Yeah, uh, I think Steve and I go back to the night, like literally the nineties, and then that's nuts. Uh, you know, Jordan, Keith, and Andy, and uh, you know, Rapoy was the first drummer, but we go back to probably like I don't know, like two thousand, two thousand one, but like, but Keith and I were working on early Damn Things demos before the band even had a name, and then it got kind of iced for a while because like every time I die was so busy, and um. I think it was before Fall Out Boy went on hiatus, I forget. But, like, the first one at GCR for me that was kind of like, okay, this is, like, a big deal was right the first week of January 2010, um, Joe Troman and then Rob Caggiano, who was playing guitar in the damn things, and he's also, at the time, he's in Anthrax, they came to Buffalo with me and Keith, and we spent a week in the studio like they were writing vocals and like that we were demoing songs for the first damn things record yeah that's sick and so you got so, members of fallout boy anthrax and every time i die right so for yeah. me that was like the first one at gcr that was like whoa this is like huge yeah like, yeah, yeah i i you know that year i had some really cool bands come through right but like this was like okay these guys are like literally on the radio <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, yeah um so that was like the first one that's the very beginning of 2010 and Dude, at the same time that jam band Mo was recording upstairs, they yeah. were doing like an EP. Yeah. And like Robbie's hanging out. It was just for me, it was just kinda like, oh, this is cool. Like, so this is what happens here is like, you know, these these bands and rock stars kind of like right. get together in places like this. Okay, this is cool. I can do this. Um but yeah, that's probably like the first one that was like, you know, at least, you know, to me like a really big deal. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I feel like I had this uh, the same feeling when we were doing uh, Who You Pretend to Be, and you know it was during COVID, so we couldn't all be there. But it was me and Charlie that were there, and the Goo Goo Dolls were demoing upstairs, and like uh, Benny the Butcher was coming in yeah. like the same week. And it's like, dude, we're sharing the studio with like the biggest like up and coming rapper in the world right now, yeah. and just like absolute pop rock legends upstairs that I, happens there dude, and it was that's nuts. what's interesting and that's you know? when like imposter syndrome really kicks in it's like oh my god we i can't believe we're <laughs> fucking we got it we snuck in here you know like, well, dude i'll tell you what that's what's cool about about that place is like you just never know like you know we're super super lucky to have the staff and crew that we have working there and everybody's hustling and you, you never know who's going to be in that week yeah or who's going to be um in overnight sometimes or like who's upstairs and who's downstairs it it's it's really fun man and and sometimes i look at the calendar i'm like wait that's going on at the same time that's that's really cool you yeah know? so it is cool it's cool now um a recent addition is you know you got the pictures up on the walls yeah of like bands that have an artist that have recorded there uh and it's cool to like walk around the studio and just see like all these huge names like you know like i mean you were in there with taking back sunday yep. and the menzingers Obviously, uh, West Side Gun, Benny the Butcher, Comedy the Machine record there. Yeah. Um, you know, there's 
obviously the Google Doc, James Taylor, who yeah. you you worked with him. Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely crazy to think all that is has happened like in Buffalo and like it's funny just to think about like where the studio it is like at any point people just driving by going about their day have no idea they're within like this radius of like you know some fucking crazy recording artist is in there right now you know? it's yeah it's funny because like you know um you, you want people to know about us but at the same time which is i like kind of not just being like a thing that people just walk into right you know totally. what I mean? yeah it's like you're kind of tucked back you're attached to a dentist office you know yeah <laughs> like it's, well it's funny because I, I have a friend who lives in those apartments across the street yeah and the one day he he like texted me and he just said hey man um there's a friggin tour bus blocking north street what's going on over there um i go oh corn's here i was just you know? gonna bring up the corn <laughs> he's like story. are you serious he's like the corn i say yeah, corn's here right now and he's just like okay i guess i can't be too mad at that tour bus though. right yeah you know because that's where they pull up you know they pull up right at those stairs right um and it sucks for the traffic you know sure. because it's such a narrow street anyways but um yeah it's funny over the years he's actually texted me a bunch he'd be like okay who's there today there's yeah a, there's a bandwagon blocking the street now or right. whatever so yeah it's fun that's awesome man it's got to be i mean do you like I gotta imagine like hearing anybody complain about their job <laughs> it's just like you gotta just feel a little good you know of being like man I'm glad I fell into something that I mean it, I'm sure a lot of times it, not to say that you're not working hard you know but you know they say if you love what you do you never work right, a day in your right. life or whatever but um, I don't know do you ever feel that way do you feel like it's almost like surreal that you fell into this or yeah i mean definitely um i know it's not a normal life yeah i know that i'm very aware of that and i also know it's like you know it, depending on how you play your cards it could be a, a here today gone tomorrow kind of a thing too so i'm definitely super aware of that and really appreciative for these opportunities um you know not a day goes by where i don't feel lucky <laughs> you know what i mean like um sometimes you're just kind of like not that you want it to end, but you're like waiting for the bubble to burst. You know what I mean? Right, it's just right, right, like, right. Um, so yeah, yeah, I definitely don't take it waiting for granted for whatsoever. Fun to be over, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I just I think that's really important. You know, it's just kind of, uh, you know, stay like grounded with it because, like I said, it's it's a really competitive field. It really totally. is, man. Especially like with modern technology, the way it is. Right, people are building home studios left that are and badass. Right. Yeah. yeah, man. And um, so I definitely, uh, you know. I do take stock in that from time to time, just kind of thinking like, wow, like, you know, uh, made a couple records last month and I can't believe I got to like pay my bills off you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. off of making music. Right. And like, um, there's, there, there's that side of it too. So like, I, again, I'm still like a fan of music. I'm a fan of, um, you know, different producers and engineers and stuff. And, um, you know, I find inspiration in that and, and I definitely feel lucky that I'd be able, that I'm able to do, uh, this to really any extent and um, again I know having it be like my full time career is not totally like a normal job right, but I right. gladly trade these weird hours that I work um, I'd rather do that than you know something that I absolutely hate waking yeah. up and going to do every day and stock and liquor at premier wine and spirits <laughs> yes. yeah yeah man the guy who doesn't drink you yeah. know putting those bottles on the yeah shelf. yeah well I want can we get into that a little bit if you don't mind uh sure if you want to yeah yeah so did you just never drink like not is there any time like yeah I, I drank like uh you know like high school experimenting sure but it was like sophomore year of high school where I was like, yeah, this just isn't for me. Really? Like, I was right young. Away. Like, yeah. I was young. Dude. I yeah. was probably like 15 or something. Like, however old you are the sophomore year of high school. Yeah, that's I was just are, like, yeah. yeah, like this does not make sense to me. And yeah. like, I liked, you know, hanging out with friends and like the parties and stuff. But right. like, literally. Because that's the thing, dude, is like, you don't drink, but you fucking hang. Right. And you hang late. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> that's what I love is like, if I'm like, if we're hanging like at my house, you know what I mean, and we're like I'm the last we're throwing leave, it back, man. you show up, but like, and we'll be like pissed drunk, and you're just like still chilling, like completely. Yeah, sober. yeah, yeah. No, I um, you know, a lot of years like hanging out on Allen have really brought up my tolerance. Dude, for the fact that you even hung out like you were a regular at the Pink that was drinking what Dr Pepper or some shit. Like, yeah, typically <laughs> it was club soda with a splash of crayon. There you go. Yeah, but um, yeah, man, That's I don't nice. know. It was, to me, it was just like uh. I don't know. I, I knew at that point I could still be like, I could still have my friends. I yeah. could still be in like, you know, 
uh, have social interactions with huge groups of people. And at first, my friends were more like, wait, what are you doing not drinking? Right. They were more like bugged out by it than I was ever like. Well, of course. Out yeah. I just kind of like, yeah, I literally just don't like it. Yeah. And so, yes, yeah, so I just, you know, like sophomore year of high school, I was like, yeah, man, I'm yeah. I'm good. I'll still hang, but I'm not going to drink. Right. And never like, did you ever smoke cigarettes? Never. <sighs> yeah. So like. It probably was like freshman year ski ski club, like freshman year <laughs> high school, dude. And it's funny because freshman year ski club. Yeah. So you're like, I don't know how old we were there, fourteen, fifteen. And I remember being like in ski club, and the big thing was like people taking the chairlift, you know, Holiday Valley, you know, and going up the hill, and like you know, people pull out a cigarette and like smoke, and whether they liked it or not, that's what they were doing. Right. And I remember like, oh yeah, I got this like pack of Marble Lights. Yeah. And um, that's what I used to smoke Marble Lights. And by the way, when I say, like, I have this pack of Marb Lights, I think it was the pack of Marb Lights right. that I ever owned. Like, the only one. And I remember, like, you know, the cherry of the cigarette, like, fell inside of my jacket, my oh, ski jacket, no. and burned through the fabric. And I had to, like, lie to my mom. And I don't yeah, ever remember what the lie was. Yeah. But she's like, hey, why is there a hole, like, on the inside of your jacket? And I was just like, yeah, I don't know. I think I hooked on something in the van. There you, you go. Know, whatever. It's it, good. But it was just, it's very clearly burned. <laughs> But yeah, I was never like a smoker, you right. know. Again, it's just those first couple years of high school, just like experimenting with that stuff, and yeah, and just kind of just deciding, just like, like, yo, I literally I don't, don't need, like yeah. any of this, dude. Yeah, that's that's wild to me that you were like at that age to just be so confident and just like not just be like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, that's man. Crazy. It just it's just one of those things that just like didn't appeal to me and yeah. didn't like make sense as far as like. Um, you know, I was watching how my friends were, you know, right, right. and we were, we were a bunch of idiots anyways. Right. And so I just like, you know, what? I can still be an idiot. Yeah. And just it's so me. that idea is just so foreign to me, I think, because it was like, I don't know, like being like the second youngest and a fan and like a big family where everybody drinks, you know, and just like I struggled so much to fit in that it was just like I wanted to do anything to fit in. You know what I mean? So it was like, oh, they're going to drink. OK, I'll drink. They're going to smoke. OK, I'll smoke. You know what I mean? Right. Like I was fully like. If, if the conversation came up of like if your friends jumped off a bridge would you do it too I'd be like yeah, yeah without sure, a fucking man. doubt yeah if that means they're gonna invite me to hang out tomorrow I'm in yeah. you know yeah yeah no see I think I think the thing that helped with that with me was like music was the common bond right you know for us like um, whether it was going to shows like my older brother is like like two and a half years older than me yeah so I always had like you know when he got his license or like his after nine license or whatever it was kind of like free reign like the after nine license yeah it was just kind of like he he could just we could go to shows whenever and even before that our parents were dropping us off and stuff and i just had like other things to like fill my time and playing in bands and like you know so you you and all your brothers were um like all into music and going to shows and shit like that yeah yeah i mean uh, our older my older brother uh you know, he kind of got out of it quickly. Sure. But he he was going to shows and stuff for, you know, up until he was probably around like 20 or so, 21. And Brian, my younger brother, who you know, Tough, is... Uh, shout out Tough. Shout out Tough. Um, he started going to shows, dude, like no shit, when he was like nine. Yeah. Like, I remember like my dad took us to uh, Water Street to see Less Than Jake, All braid and snuff and tough guy was like nine years old damn and um it was funny because like at that point it's like well he went to one if he wants to go to another one he could just go with your mom and dad or like me and eric or like um so he started going like really young but um yeah that was one of the things that kind of like i don't know i just i was just doing other things i just didn't feel like i needed to like drink or anything right yeah that's good that's awesome man that's cool that like you and all your brothers bonded over that too because that was another thing like you know again second youngest of um you know there were six of us and uh we were all kind of into a different shit you know yeah. like everybody was kind of like like we were close but we never did anything together you know right. like there was nothing everybody was kind of on their own doing their own thing so um that's cool though that you guys did that and then but like yeah so when you guys were going to show it was always like punk music and like yeah punk hardcore emo yeah um and that was all came from eric your older brother well like the punk and hardcore and emo and stuff like the the emo side like my best friend dave okay his brother mark was a few years older than us and he like 
he was the first one to give me like a sunny day real estate cassette there you go. Get Up kids cassette yeah and him and my brother eric were pretty close in age right and it was kind of like the four of us were nice. like kind of coming into it together but like mark was like leading the way with like the emo and eric was kind of leading the way with like He's like he likes like actual like metal, right? Like I remember being like a little kid and listening to like Death Leprosy, like that album. We listened to that all the time, mm-hmm. um, and like Obituary and stuff like that. But that was like from my brother Eric, and then I was also like heavily into like BMX at the time. Okay, and I had a few friends that I used to ride with who were like, "Hey, check out this band called Turmoil," or like check out oh, there's a Buffalo band called Snapcase. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those were kind of like my sources for that stuff, and I just got so into it that once like. You know, mom and dad were like, hey, like, yeah, you can go to this show as long as your older brother goes with you. Right. Uh, or if you have, like, a group of friends or whatever. I was like, yep, yeah. that's where I'm going to be. Yeah, so. that's awesome. See, like, me and Liam were into the same music. That's how I got, like, most of my music taste of, like, pop punk and stuff was Liam. <laughs> Liam's best friend was this kid, Tim, whose older brother, Jeff, was the vocalist in uh, this band Guns of Camden. Do you remember that band? Yeah, Mike was in that band. Yes, he yeah. was, yeah. So Jeff, this dude Jeff, was the lead vocalist, uh, and Jeff's little brother Tim was Liam's best friend. And okay. Tim was, like, big into, like, punk and hardcore and emo and all that stuff, so he showed Liam, who, you know, then I sh- learned everything from that. Um but Liam was uh, definitely not about bringing me around anywhere. You yeah. know what I mean? I was like, can I come? And he was always like, no, fuck you. <laughs> and I yeah, like, I was okay. lucky with Eric like that. He was super cool. And right. he was also cool like being the driver. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, dude, I remember there were times, I'm not here like trying to just completely shit talk Liam here. I love Liam. But there were he was a dick in high school, Liam. You were. Uh, and he would, dude, I remember like I would get like go to a party and be fucked up and like have no way of getting home. And I would call him. And he would answer it and he'd be like sleeping. Like I woke him up out of sleep. I'm like, dude, I need you to come pick me up. He's yeah. like, nope, see ya, <laughs> bye. And that was it. And so I was like, fuck. So. See, I, I was always that brother who was the DD. Right, right, you know, right. It was right. kind of the hat that I wore because of not drinking. And, yeah. You know, even when I wasn't really old enough to drive, I was driving people's cars home from parties and right. stuff. So. See, that was like, you know, I had my time where I stopped drinking um, for eight months and I probably would have went longer if the pandemic didn't hit and I just got bored is really what happened. Right. Um, but I have a much better relationship with alcohol now than I did before. But that's good. Um, when I did stop drinking, that was the one thing I did like about it was that I liked just being the deed. Like I still was, I was kind of doing the, the Jays of Rick and maybe that's where I got the idea from, but I was still fully going out and hanging. Yeah. Like I would go to the pink till four in the morning and just like not drink at all, you know, totally and then possible. Right. And I, but the sick part was driving down there. Like I drove down there, I drove all my friends and then I drive all my friends home. So it was cool to be like, you know, like, Oh, all my, fr- I, I know all my friends got home safe. Mm-hmm. I didn't spend any money. You know, and I still got to go out and like be social and have a good time. So yeah, man. Yeah, it was it's, cool. Yeah, getting everybody home safe is always feels good. A pretty good feeling. Yeah, it's you it's know? so especially like someone like me who has so much anxiety. It's like so nice to just like get home and be like, all right, everybody's good. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah, it feels good, man. You yeah. go to sleep a little easier that night. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. <laughs> um, going back to recording for a little bit here. Do you sure, yeah. do you have like? Is there one project or one band that you worked with that is just like, without a doubt, ultimate favorite experience? It's hard because, like, as you know, like you've been in sessions where it's your band. You've also been in my sessions where it's like your friends' bands. Mm-hmm. Like, I really do try to have unique experiences with everybody. Yeah. So, like, even if it's like a record where we're not like joking around as much. I still might be having like the time of my life just because you're working just, on something. Yeah. yeah. And, and then there's other times like where I have to imagine, you know, working on like the, the ETID records right. that had to be amazing. Oh, of yeah. course, of course. And for a lot of reasons. Um, but then, you know, there's other projects where it's just like keeping it light and fun Yeah, is like, it's a ridiculously good time to go. You're making an awesome record. You're hanging out with people who are your friends you're just laughing, having a great time. You're still getting work done. You know, you get your uh, breakfast sandwiches from Elwood Market. Like, you got the whole routine uh. going, and, and that stuff feels good. Um, it's hard to pinpoint one, but there's, you know, there's definitely some some projects where, like, you know, I, I've, I've come out of them being like, wow, I'm really glad I made friends uh, with these people. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I think you and I were chatting earlier about, like, coffee stuff. Yeah. And, like, literally... Um, tying oh, this into coffee, yeah. yeah. Tying this stuff in together is like when I, I was working with Del Paxton. I remember day one of doing their album, 
I was like, hey, I'm going to go throw in a pot of coffee. Yeah. And it was the first time ever anybody's like, oh, what are you making? And I was like, I don't know. Let's go take a look. Coffee, and it was yeah. like, you know, Maxwell House or whatever. And we're, Zach's like, hold on. Don't even make that. It's like, why? He's like, I'll be back in 20 minutes. Okay. And he like ran to his apartment, came back with a bag of beans. He's like, if we're drinking coffee, it's going to be good coffee. So we ground it up. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And I don't know what it was at the time. Yeah. But, um, those guys were like, listen, dude. While we're here this week, let's just drink good coffee and we'll give you some different kinds to try. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. Like, it's my first time drinking coffee without cream and sugar. And <laughs> um, so, like, that record sticks in my head for a bunch of reasons. But, like, a big one was, like, the start of my passion for coffee. Totally, dude. So, like, that's definitely, like, you know, if I hear a song from that record, or I, I went to go see them play a couple weeks ago. I literally still think about, like wow, without doing that record, I might not have gotten into one of my favorite yeah. hobbies. Dude, and they are, yeah, and they're, I mean, they are the coffee band of all coffee bands, but oh, yeah. what's sick then is, you know, because then you got Charlie onto it, and then Charlie got me onto it, and I remember yeah. the first time Charlie made me a cup of coffee, and, like, my world was changed. Right. Dude, like, the way I looked at because I, I remember, I always hated coffee. Like, in high school, like, I worked a job, uh, you know, I worked at the Poppy Seed restaurant. Shout out to Poppy Seed. Uh, and like everybody there would drink coffee. Like when we were working like an early Saturday morning shift and like I would try to and I'm like, dude, this is disgusting. Like, right. I, and I'm like, maybe I'm mixing it wrong or whatever. And I remember and people were like, ah, it's because you're young. Like once you get to college, that's when you'll <laughs> like, obviously then I get to college and we have like a Starbucks on campus and a Tim Hortons on campus. And I'm like. I'm again trying all these different uh, two cream, one sugar, one cream, two sugar, right. double, double, like trying everything. And I'm like, dude, it's disgusting. Like, yeah. I just can't do it. And then I get through college and I meet Charlie, and Charlie and I become friends. And he's like, you ever just drink it black? And I was like, no. Cause like in my head, the idea of black coffee was like, that's for psychopaths. Right. Like, no way, dude. Right. And then he's like, try it. And I remember trying a black iced coffee from Tim Hortons, which. Today, if I drink a black iced coffee from Tim Hortons, I would probably spit it out. <laughs> but at this point, I drank it. I was like, oh, wait, no, th we're on to something here. Yeah. Like, this is way better. Like, uh, just coffee. Right. And then, you know, Charlie's like, all right, now let's have real coffee. Right. And then, you know, that's when it, and then it, it's a gift and a curse because it's like, yes, I get to have this. But it's like, now I only want this coffee. This is of the course. only way I'm going to drink coffee. Yeah. Luckily, I do love Starbucks iced coffee like they're cold brew they're just black iced coffee right. is good so I'll, like i don't have to like go completely nuts but um for the most part man i love just making fucking good coffee man There's yeah it's better. great i mean it's it's something that um you know for me personally it gave me like a different outlet just different something else just to get interested in yeah and focus i love on that shit on and it's i look at it the same way i look at like vinyl records you know what i mean yeah. it's like i've always been listening to music on an ipod or stuff like that right. but it's like but once you get into like vinyl and like good speakers and having a good oh, yeah. setup it's the, like the ooh, full experience the man. finer the, it's that's how you get into the finer things club well yes yes and then <laughs> and dude so like after the del paxton record i was like okay like getting good beans that's a good step right there and the next record i was doing was a water me down record nice and ben lieber was playing drums on it and ben at the time he might have been working at typico at the time and he was same thing. He's like, mind if I bring my own beans? I'm like, sure. I learned about this last yeah. month. Come on in, you know. And he, he, so it was like, okay, like I don't think there's any turning back now. And then after that was when we did every time I die's low teens, and Daniel Davison, the drummer on that record, brought a Chemex. It was my first experience with pour over. I'm like, okay, what's yeah. what are you doing here, man? He's like, I'm heating the water to 205 degrees. I'm right. Doing like what? Wait and. And we're kind of like, we gave him a little bit of a hard time the first couple of days. And then you drink it. You're like, whoa, what is right. this? And uh, that was my first experience doing it. And by the time we were finished that record, like I was, you know, making the pour overs yeah. with them. And right, dude. And that's the thing is like, you know, I work from home most days. I make pour over every day. Yeah. But because that's how it was introduced to me. I never even thought about drinking like how you do it in the studio. Like how we just are a regular coffee maker. Right. And just putting grounds in there. Like. Maybe because I don't have a regular coffee maker, but it's like right. I never, like I always am thinking like, oh, if I have good coffee, I have to do pour over. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. I had, I had just actually set up a pour over rig at the studio this week. So yeah, we are set to go with- We're going to uh, have to book some with, sessions. With uh, Camax. Yeah. But yeah, that was like the start of it, right? It was like 2016 for me. That yeah. Was, and um, I met you a year later, later, I think. So yep. that's great. Dude, it is like, I mean, 
it, uh, going back to the conversation of like this is your job is crazy because it's like for us when we book a session with you to come in it's like oh i'm taking pto like i'm taking right, vacation right. time and work because i'm going to hang out in the studio right and like yes we're gonna we're gonna grind and we're gonna work hard and everything but like it's like it's such a fucking fun experience and it's like you know it's almost like take your kid to work day like we're going to hang out with jay at his job yeah today, you know and that's the thing though dude is like it's important to me too that people are actually having fun because so I totally fun. get it that people are sacrificing, like you said, PTO, right. sick days. People are literally just taking lost days at yeah. work. So that right, the I'm last lucky thing I want, to have PTO. Right, you know I mean? yeah. right. And that's the thing. Like, the last thing I want is people to come in, and we're doing whatever a song or whatever, and and they're like having a horrible time, and it's like, wait, I took off of work for this, right? And like, right. You know, they're doing other things just to make it happen. So I definitely respect that, and like, um, if that means that, you know, you you got to read the room, but like, if it means a little bit more joking around to like lighten the mood, or like, you know, less joking around, but a very specific kind of humor, like, again, you try to give everybody the experience that they deserve, and. And what's kind of unique to them. And obviously with like you and, and you know, post-prom and everybody, it's like, you know, I feel like there's jokes that we have that only exist in that room that people outside the room wouldn't even think it's are funny. It's so funny. But like, like <laughs> when we were at Charlie's last weekend, dude, and like the jokes start to come out. Yeah. And it's so funny because it just divides the room. Like, yeah, it's, it's just, just a th- like, it was just like it's only us. us. Yeah. It's like, yeah, here's what we joke about in the studio. Everybody's like, okay. Right. And then everybody else is just like staring at like, us why, like, like why, why is that funny? Yeah. You know? For us, you know, but that's the thing though, dude. And like when we're in there and. Um, you know, the days get long. That's what I'm know. saying. We're in there for 10 hours, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and it's like, and we're just all in one room and yeah. like only getting up to go to the bathroom. We break once to get food. Yeah. And it's like, so it's just like, you know, I mean, it's the same thing with touring when you're just like in a van for hours at yep. a time with, with the same people. Like you kind of go a little nuts and these weird jokes start to come out that just cause you to start crying yeah. laughing but that's the thing though if, if i go back and listen to a record i could think about some of that stuff. yeah it's the best like when i listen to uh to post prompt album it's just kind of like i think about some of the jokes but i also think about like that was a pandemic project right and there was insane rules that yeah. we had to abide by because it was so early in the in the pandemic that it's just like you know didn't want to get in trouble didn't want to get people sick yeah. you know, didn't want anything bad to happen um and then you know if i think about like the ep it's a different story. Right. I think just about the humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Aside from the music. But, like, right. um, yeah, that's the thing. Like, that's the kind of stuff that sticks with me, though. It's, like, I could think of different jokes from different bands just by, like, something coming up on, like, you know, uh, Spotify or Apple Music. Yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. It is, you know? Yeah, I do definitely have distinct memories of each session that we did with you, like, each project that we worked on. Um, the album definitely being, I mean, again, yeah, because it was during the pandemic and we had very strict rules we had to follow. We couldn't all be there, so it was weird. And I remember just, like, you know, there was just so much added stress because of that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this was our first full length, so we were there a lot of days in a row, oh, yeah. a lot of long days. Like, I remember, I think we did six 10-hour days in a row yep. at one point. Just, yeah, I think That was, like, started. pretty much yeah. all guitars. Um, and it was just like, you know, playing the same parts over and over, doing different guitars, yeah. switching amps out, you know what I mean? And um, it got, you know, to a point where I like, you know, started to feel like Jack and the Shining, you know, where yeah. it was just like, I'll work, no play, makes Jack. And I'm just like, you know, I remember going home some nights and be like, fuck, dude. Like, yeah, but it's all so goddamn worth it. Oh, for like, sure. And the, that's why the, the humor, like in the room when you're doing stuff like that, um, that stuff is really it's more important than i think we realize sometimes because of course dude you know if you're working on like a song and you're playing guitar for four hours yeah like something's got to keep it light right totally you know yeah. so um it yeah. is dude for real too because there's sometimes we're like i'm playing a part or something and i'm fucking it up every time right like I'm, especially like if it's like a, a hard palm mute part or something that you got to get like a very specific timing on yeah. and it's very monotonous and we're on like 12 takes you know and then i'm getting fucking angry or something and then you just crack some like so stupid yep. joke like dick joke or something, something and then yeah. it's like and i can't help but be like motherfucker dude. Yeah. And like i'm not mad anymore yeah once you laugh and you realize yeah. like, hey it's not worth being stressed right now or, or bad stress rather. right um 
Yeah, it, it seems to help keep people on a better path. Totally. And there's nothing better than just like, I love like, you know, the 11 a.m. start time. I get up, I yeah. ease into my morning. We go and stop at, uh, you know, Elmwood Market, get a yep. breakfast station, we go to Bread Hive. Yeah. Somebody stops to get food and like, yeah. you know, we get some Arizona iced teas. We get, we get the coffee going. I love it. I was just trying to best, explain to somebody dude. recently how 11 a.m. is like 9 a.m. or even like 8.30 for me. Yeah. Like... 11 a.m. is kind of like my early start time. Right, right. Like maybe like two or three times a year. Well, have like a we 10 say start. well, we say start time, but it's 11 a.m. Arrival, arrival time. Yeah, yeah. we start arrival. around one. <laughs> and I remember on the album, we were hanging out in the parking lot, finishing our coffees till like 11:30, that was the best, and like we went in when we felt ready to go in. Well, it was also the best because we had to wear a mask the entire time we were in the studio. Yeah. So going outside, it was nice to take our masks off for a little bit. Oh, yeah. Just sip on a coffee, you know, and and we were recording in like the summer. So the weather was nice. You yeah. Know? We're sitting on the hill eating lunch. Yeah. It was, was the nice, best yeah. dude. Yeah. I, I look back on the record. So finally, I'm so happy. We have like so many pictures and videos and shit sure. of all that stuff because it's just like, yeah, it's just, uh, it's such a good experience. And I've, I've, love that record so much for a bunch of different reasons but um the session i mean recording it you know it couldn't have been anywhere else with anybody else yeah know? it was awesome and I, I definitely you know anytime i get to work with a good group of friends like that it's you know for me like i mean you know how much i'm there you guys experienced right, it right. like that's also like my social time yeah you know so yeah yeah i, I enjoy those yeah um, I don't know if there's much else that we can talk about. I'm trying to think. We covered sure. all the recording. We covered not drinking. We covered coffee. Um, I feel like that that's a that's a good chunk of it. Um, yeah. But So, Jay, thanks for coming on, man. Of course. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. Uh, you could follow Jay on social media. I think he's just Jay Zubricki yeah, everything, right? Yeah, just at Jay Zubricki. Yeah. Uh, I'll throw it in the description of the episode. Um, check him out for the projects that he's working on. It's so cool to see um, when he's working on, on some of these projects. And, you know, and then you get to listen to him a few months later. So it's always exciting. So, Jay, thanks for coming on, buddy. Thanks for having me.